This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. I've been asked to help the church walk through sort of a, 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 a way of engaging the scripture. Okay, It's entitled a discovery group process or a discovery Bible study. Now, there are a couple of assumptions before I walk this through with you, and we're going to do it in a practical way. All right? So we'll be in small groups of three, and then you will sit with somebody you don't know. So if you're a husband and wife, you sit separately. Uh, if you came with your children, you just sort of, if they're not too young, then divide them up and let them sit with two others. And I will walk you through this process and I will explain it. But here are some assumptions before we begin. So you can go to the next slide. Yeah, there. Assumption number one, God speaks and teaches through the Bible. Do you believe that or not? Okay, so John 6, 44 to 45. Look at John chapter 6, verse 44 to 45. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day. So if you want to get to the Father, if you want to get to Jesus, sorry, this is Jesus speaking in John 6. If you want to get to Jesus then the Father must draw you. Verse 45, It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from Him comes to me, me being Jesus. So what does the Father say? The Father says, look, you want to get to Jesus? I need to draw you. So when you go on missions, how should you pray? Father, draw. Please draw. The people... Give us divine appointments so I can recognize the people that you are drawing to Jesus. And bring me across those people. Verse 45. How? 46, sorry. Only he, um, no one, no one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Okay, wait, sorry, 45. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from Him comes to me. How does one get to Jesus? You have to listen and learn from the Father. So the question is, where does the Father speak? And how does the Father teach? And the answer is, from here, right? So what is the assumption? That God speaks and teaches through the Bible. Second assumption, the Bible is worth engaging, 2 Timothy 3.16. And next, the Bible is authoritative. You can just uh, scroll the slides down. The Bible is authoritative, i.e., it's not the Bible teacher that is the authority. The scripture is the authority. Okay. Next assumption, not all equals, not all ways of learning the Bible are equal. There are stickier ways. What is a stickier way? Self-discovery is stickier. A lecture isn't sticky. Does it make sense? Right? So you think back to history lessons, to geography lessons, to school. My school, maybe, not your school. My school. Um, Even sermons. When I speak at you, you probably forget most of what I tell you, 90% of what I've told you, you will forget the minute you walk out of this door. So what is stickier? 
Self-discovery is always stickier. That's why they talk about active learning, experiential learning, learning by doing, learning on the job, you know, job shadowing, internships, all these sort of ways of learning makes learning sticky. So that's assumption number four. Number five, Bible engagement is beneficial both for the individual, so you should be doing your personal Bible study or Bible engagement, but it's also beneficial when it's done in a group context. Okay, next assumption. The participant should be willing. You can go to the next slide. The participant should be willing. So good soil or a person of peace. It's very hard to engage the scripture with someone who is unwilling. Okay, I know this with my children. When they're not willing, it's not easy. Yeah, it's an understatement. Okay. John 14, John 15, we talk about to love God is to obey God. To obey God is to love God. So in the process, obedience is going to be really important. Disciple-making has always got to be obedience-based. And obedience doesn't mean performance. Obedience doesn't mean control or manipulation. Okay, Obedience is our love language to God. So when we say we love God, we obey Him. And when we obey Him, we say to God, we love you. So which comes first? It doesn't matter. Read John 14 and John 15. So to love God is to obey God, and to obey God is to love Him. You can disciple someone formally as well as informally. What is formal disciple-making? If you know and I know, then we're in a formal disciple-making relationship. But if I know and you don't know, then I just call it informal. Now, here is is the question. Can you disciple a non-believer or not? Okay, Because I was taught growing up, a non-believer is a non-believer, a not-yet-believer, pre-believer, whichever word or term you want to use. And then you, he needs to be converted, and once he's converted, then you disciple him. Okay? So, do you disciple your child or not? When he's one, when he's two, when he's three. Did they pray the sinner's prayer at one or two? Or four? Were you discipling them or not? Right? So you were intentionally imparting truth and values and principles and the love of God in your life, into your child, without them ever praying the sinner's prayer. They were not converted, per se, in our terminology of uh, evangelism and you know, the evangelical way of, of leading people to Jesus. But yet, we discipled them. So we speak about, in our, in our ministry, we speak about discipling people to conversion and thereafter. So informal disciple-making takes place pre-conversion. Okay? Formal disciple-making can take place post-conversion. Get it? So if you're in the workplace, if you're in school, if you're in the university, if you're at home, it doesn't really matter. Because disciple-making, discipleship is a lifestyle. Alright? You can disciple people towards Christ even if they don't know it yet. And it's okay. Is that fair? Yeah? Matthew 28, Great Commission, go into all the world, make disciples. Make disciples, yeah? Who, where, what do you find in the world? Christians or non-Christians? Both, right? 
So what is Jesus saying? When you go into the world, make disciples of Christians, but also make disciples of non-Christians. That's one way of reading it. You may disagree with me, but think about it. Next assumption. The Great Commission is for all. Ordinary Christians who are unpaid to do Christian ministry, who are not paid to do Christian ministry. Okay? So the Great Commission is for you and for I. So say to the person next to you, you're responsible for the Great Commission. Yeah, Jesus was speaking to you. Ordinary Christians who will multiply disciples in their social networks. All right? So Sias or I or Rode, we can't get into your social network. Well, for me, it's quite obvious. I don't speak Afrikaans. I don't know your culture. I don't watch rugby. I don't drink alcohol like you guys. I'm, I'm sorry. I do drink alcohol. But, um, yeah, but, um, you know, I, I don't fit into your social network. So who has God placed in your social network to see disciples made? He has placed you. So the Great Commission is for you. Okay? Last assumption. Disciples should reproduce disciples who will reproduce disciples who will reproduce disciples. There is a huge difference between grapes with seeds and grapes without seeds. Both grapes taste good. The fruit cannot be denied, but one reproduces and one does not. The Great Commission is given to us to be seeded grapes. So that this is the question for you. Are you making disciples? Whether formal or informal. So this is the context for the session, uh, for the session this morning. Alright? So I'm going to introduce you now the what and the how. Okay? So the assumptions deal with the why, deal a little, little bit with the what. Now we're going to do the how. So, uh, go into groups of three, okay? So I'll give you two minutes of chaos, form groups of three, uh, find two other people that you, you per se don't know or, or not married to. If you're married to two other people, you're in trouble. Uh, so, well, with the church, not with me. <laughs> so small groups of three, you don't have to sit facing me, sit where you're comfortable, and I'll give you the next set of instructions. Okay, so this side is great on my right. Three, three. Four is okay, but not ideal, okay? Because we have very little time. So three is better. Three is much better. If you see someone sitting alone, alone and very awkward, please go to them, alright? Or bring them to you. Three. All good? Form a new group if you have to. I see a group of four there. You want to stand up and... Okay. Okay, so this is what's going to happen. 
We're going to model, I'm going to work with you. So the best way to learn is through simulation, right? Through experiential learning. So you're going to experience a group process, okay? Now you're going to imagine that I'm sitting with you in your group and I'm the facilitator of your group, but I'm going to do this from up front with all the groups, okay? But you visualize that I'm sitting there with you. And so what will happen in this process is, you can go to the next slide, We're going to move through three stages or three phases. Look back, look up, and look forward. Okay? Or breathe in, breathe out, open your eyes. Uh, It doesn't matter what you say, but it will become evident why it's called look back, look up, look forward. Okay? So, imagine I'm sitting with you. I will ask the group a question. Okay? And you will then respond to this question. There's a little timer which you can possibly click on. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if it will work. So if you click on the three-minute timer, there should be an animation where it will scroll down. But if it doesn't work, it's okay. I'll just do it manually. Okay, no problem. Um, so there will be a question, and then you respond to this question. Now you see, for example, this first question is three minutes. So it means in your group, you each should have a minute to share what you're thankful for. Okay, so we're going to go through this very quickly. Now, what is the foundation of this process? The foundation of this process is for you to run this type of group or this sort of discovery Bible study group with non-believers. Okay, so I'm teaching you how to run a group with non-believers and then you can scale upward. Young believers, mature believers, large groups, smaller groups, conference settings like this, but you will be equipped, I hope, by the end of this session where you can run this group, this process, just by asking questions with one other person. You can do this in a marketplace, you can do this over lunch break, you can do this in a, in a mug and bean, you can do this you know, after you sit down um, w- w- during the halftime or pre-game or post-game with anyone. You can take segments of it and use it, but let's walk through the whole process and then I will maybe say a little bit more. Does that make sense? All right? Okay, good. So, so imagine this. We met, let's say, a week ago. All right? We held our first group a week ago or second group a week ago, and we're meeting again this week. So we're coming together after a recent meeting and now we sit together with high five, we have served the coffee, the coffee's been ordered, and as the facilitator, I will ask you this question. So, since we last met, what are you thankful for? Begin. Three minutes. Go. Great. Wow, it's great to hear all of you share what you're thankful for. But what are some of the needs that you have this week? What needs do you have this week? So you can go to the next slide. Next slide, next slide. Has anything bothered you this week? Okay, so three minutes, you can begin. Could you put the slide on? Yeah. What has worried you this week? Three minutes, you can share. Thank you so much for sharing vulnerably and honestly. Uh, But I 
we, we will have some time to pray for your need and also respond to your need. But the next question is, I would like to ask you, what are the needs of those in your community? What are the needs of someone that you love? Can you share them with the group? Okay, three minutes, you can begin. The need of someone that you love, the need of someone else in your community. Perhaps it's a sibling, a grandparent, a neighbor, a colleague, a non-profit that you work with. Thank you. Thank you for sharing about the needs of those that are close to you. Um, but let's look at this next question. How, how are we as a group able to respond to some of the needs that you've expressed? Okay, let's try and see if we can answer this question as a group. So now here, I encourage you to respond to perhaps a personal need that was shared by someone else or the need of another person that they love. Okay, it might be as simple as prayer. It could be taking up an offering. It could be going to visit, you know, after the service is done. But let me give you time to see if the Holy Spirit is prompting you to respond to any of the needs shared. Okay? So take two or three minutes for that. And at the very least, pray for each other. Let me pray. Father, we thank you that we are assured of your love. And that even as we have each shared the specific need that we, ex- we, we need ourselves, but also the need of others, uh, you bring intervention. And you bring intervention through your church. And even as we uh, stand in solidarity with those who have worries and cares and concerns, we know that we can lay them at your feet. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.